0: Welcome to Cultish, everybody. This is uh, Andrew here, the super sleuth, and I'm with... Jeremiah Roberts, one of the co-hosts here at Cultish. Yeah, thank you for tuning into Cultish. Like, sit back, relax, you're going to have a great time. But before you do, we want to let you know about a few things. You can go to Apologiestudios.com and you can become an all-access member, and then you will get access to uh, Cultish The Aftermath. And you can listen to Jerry and I talk in more in-depth about our conversations and recollect Recollections of the episodes that we just did. And you also get a bunch of other content from Jeff Durbin, Pastor James White, all of them. So become an all access member at com It's not going to hurt you. It it helps the studio and it supports us as well.
1: Yes. And also, if you want to get any of the cool cultish merch, go to shopcultish.com. We've got stickers, we've got hoodies, we've got t shirts and all those Cultish goodies, and hopefully at some point this year, I know a lot of you have wanted, who are not in the United States, want to get those Cultish goodies. We are hoping to hopefully go international by the end of the year, so appreciate your patience in regards to that. But if you want to support Cultish, you can go to uh, thecultishshow.com, and you can go to the Donate tab. You can donate one time or become a recurring monthly partner. And yeah, just consider prayerfully consider supporting us so we can get more content out like the episode we're about to release uh, right now. So this is part two of our discussion with Marsha, the Kraken. The Kraken. Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Marsha Montenegro. (laughs) I almost missed her new team. Marsha Negro. (laughs) But we had a great uh, follow-up. This is part two of our discussion talking about all the ins and outs of astrology. This is part of her experience when she was in the New Age. So enough of us. Enjoy the podcast. My name is Eddie, and I was in a call. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us. It started as an effort by a charismatic creature to build a new society, but it ended, of course, with the tragic deaths of more than 900 people. Please, for God's sake, let's get on with it. We've lived. We've
2: lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's
1: just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. This is a revolutionary suicide. This is not a self-destructive suicide. So they'll pay for this. They brought this upon us.
2: You're in a cult. I love you, and I want you out of it and with Christ. But you're, you're, you're...
1: The farther along I got in study, the more people at the sort of, uh, shall we say, upper echelons that I met in my area, um, the more it became clear that astrology that is done well is done in an altered state of consciousness. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Cultish, Entering the Kingdom of the Cults. My name is Jeremiah Roberts. I'm one of the co-hosts here. I am back. Uh, with andrew the super sleuth of the show uh, i should say we are back with Marsha montenegro we're kind of this is kind of a triple threat today yes they uh, feel like we're all just kind of run the ship together uh we've released the kraken in part yeah. one <laughs> on astrology we're about to release the kraken in part two uh marcia thank you so much for coming back with us it's great to talk with you
3: oh thank you thank you for um letting me go on for a second hour that's um that's great with me because I have more to say. Oh, <laughs>
1: yes. absolutely! It'll be at least an hour. The cracking—we we know is that still, for sure. She's
0: still thrashing, and Jerry and I are sitting back. We're watching. We're just we like, wa- yes. we
1: watching. We're watching. Just, we're just—we're trying to guide the cracking a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. um, so, in the last episode, uh, we are kind of going into the hi- historical origins of astrology, kind of really defining terms, explaining how. uh, astronomy didn't come from astrology, but rather it split from astrology. Um, And that's very, very important because as we transition into the second episode, we kind of were following the whole ancient origins of it. And again, if any of you, ladies and gentlemen, have not checked out the first part, this is part two. So go back to part one. It'll give a lot more context to this discussion. But what we're going to talk about Is really defining terms because now we're going to kind of get into the nitty gritty and terminology, but also with that explore the aspects of the spiritual dangers of it, especially if you are a Christian and you're toying around with this stuff, as you, as you've seen, um, In this little clip that we play, this is another clip from the John Ankerberg show. Yeah. There's, she's talking about going at the best astrology I could do is when I was in an altered state of consciousness. So, what you'll see in many ways, and this is even mentioned too in Stephen Bancar's book in chapter four of Second Coming of the New Age in Science, so false, science, I believe, so falsely called, is where there's always an aspect of even where things can on some level be scientific the vague and the unknown are always filled in mm-hmm. by the new age uh, and that's even outside the realm of astrology but anyways uh marcia i want to just kind of give it back to you when you heard that heard mention that and again this is an interview i believe some from sometime around the late 70s early 80s on the john ankerberg show and this is your experience when you hear her say that what's the just tell me off the get-go What what comes to mind
3: Oh yeah, I totally, um, I totally relate to what she said because um, actually that would happen to me when I was doing a chart reading um, and this is when the person was there and I was doing their reading for them. Uh, I would feel uh, guided through the chart and I, I felt a connection with the chart. It wasn't a connection with a person. I oh. never felt a connection with a person. I always felt a connection with the chart because I've I've had people say, "Well, you can, you were reading body language and you know you're looking," and I'm like, "No, I really was looking at the chart." And I'm talking to the person, but I am really focused on the chart, and so I feel like I'm entering the chart, and I'm sort of guided through it. And of course, I did have. I had spirit guides as a New Ager, and all New Agers do have them, and all astrologers have them, all psychics have them, and I felt that my spirit guide was probably guiding me through the chart, so I would look at the chart, and there would be a certain part of the chart that would just draw me, you know, or jump out at me, and I would kind of go with that, and I would start there. And then I would just kind of, it would just kind of flow. Usually there was a few times where it didn't flow, but most of the time, you know, I'd say like 95% of the time it did. And I always felt like after the chart reading was done, then it was kind of like I had to come down because it was like I was in another, um, another state of mind, an altered state. And I've said this before before, In my testimony and when talking about astrology that you do you do go into an altered state when you do this because actually doing an occult practice automatically triggers it Hmm. and i had been doing eastern meditation for several years before i started doing astrology so i think i was really primed for that because you go into an altered state with eastern meditation too so I think I was really just, you know, primed for that from the Eastern meditation. And I would just go into this day. I was aware that I was in it, you know, and I knew I. it's not like I was out of it. I wasn't out of it at all. I was very focused. I knew where I was. I knew who the person was I was talking to. But you're just in this other state where you're receptive, where you're kind of seeing things or knowing things or understanding things that I wouldn't see or know just sitting there looking at the chart. You know, before the person came, so that's that's definitely true. And mm-hmm. I think that even you know some of my friends um, at the time who were astrologers, you know, that we would we would talk about that. You know, you were in this other state.
1: Wow. Yeah, and and that's huge. Um, because in many ways, it's almost you you it makes sense that you would get into an older state or you'd have a point of reference for recognizing it, because yeah. while all practices are different uh, from each other, different new age occultic practices. The one commonality they always have is crossing over uh, into a dimension you should not be into, uh, you should not tap into, and there's a biblical basis for that. So it would make sense how you would have a point of reference in at least identifying Okay, I've sort of been here before, almost. You know, if you are on a hike and you kind of, you're going around, you're coming back around, you know, the, the other side or something like that, and you have a point of reference for where you've been, that, that definitely would make sense. Um, so, yeah, so maybe what we yeah. can do is I want to get into maybe defining some of the terms. Um, okay. So, this is just something I want to get clarification on because this seems to be the word Aquarian or the Aquarian age. This is just something I've seen gets, get thrown around. And it almost seems kind of almost like an eschatological term mm. where how world, mm-hmm. how Christians, regardless of what your view on eschatology is, they always believe in the return of Jesus, to was, who is coming again to raise the dead and, and for one last time for judgment. But in many ways, it almost seems that the Aquarian age is almost sort of like the second coming for mm-hmm. people who are in the new age, um, at least that's just my analysis. Analysis of it from a vantage, from a very far off vantage point. How? What is the Aquarian age? Can you define that, and how does it relate to astrology?
3: Um, yeah, and and I think it's true. The age of Aquarius has been anticipated, you know, in the new age for a while. And I mean, going back to the musical Hair, which I'm sure you guys are too young to remember, <laughs> because it probably it probably was on stage on Broadway before you were born. <laughs> uh, there was this musical called Hair. Um, have you heard of it?
1: I have not. There is a. You, there so you
3: many... haven't heard of Hair. Okay. The, no,
1: there was, a doc, there was a musical that came out, I think called Hairspray. No, no, no.
3: That's no. That's completely different. (laughs)
1: Okay,
3: that's musical hair, and it's the 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 song. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. mm,
1: i I've heard that. I've heard that that tune in passing somewhere. Yeah, I might have been. I might have been in some sort of vintage record store. I think I might have heard uh,
3: it. Famous, um, yeah, famous group called the Fifth Dimension saying that song. But that was that was in Hair, and they and it was like their almost like their theme song. And it was very popular, you know, it was in the culture, people heard it on the radio, people sang it. Here was a very big hit. You know, you ought to Google it because I think you'll find it very interesting to understand the times and kind of, it was kind of a precursor to all the New Age stuff that came in a way. So the Age of Aquarius was sung about in that musical um, even though astrologically it wasn't really correct with the wording was just kind of, they use the wording that would fit into the lyrics, you know, not necessarily accurate, accurate stuff. But, um, so there's this idea of the age of Aquarius kind of in the culture there. And then in the new age, you know, I was became very aware of it early on because it would be spoken of here and there by different people, not just astrologers. You know, these are, you know, people in the new age who aren't astrologers or don't even know astrology, but the age of Aquarius was seen as this thing kind of on the horizon and we're about to enter it or we are entering it. And what it's based on is um, something called the great ages. And these are, these are 2000 years long and they actually are, um, Astronomical, astronomically based. It's the constellation that the North Pole points to, and it shifts. There's a shift in the um, on the Earth's axis. It's uh, due to something called the precession of the equinoxes, which is a very technical term, and I'm not even going to try to explain it. You can just look it up. <laughs> it says pre- precession, not procession, but precession. P-R-E. Precession of the equinoxes. And so the Earth wobbles on its axis and gradually over time it shifts, the North Pole shifts to a different constellation and it points to that constellation for 2,000 years and then it shifts. (coughs) Excuse me. And it goes backwards through the zodiac. So you don't go forward Aries, Taurus, Gemini. You go backwards. So like the age of Taurus... Was before the age of Aries. And okay. the age of Aries, then there was the age of Pisces. Hang on, I gotta drink some water.
1: No, you're good. <clears> throat>
3: My throat gets a little dry when I talk. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I think I'm okay. All right. So then the age of Pisces, okay, the age of Pisces began around the time of Christ. And so the way New Agers and astrologers look at it is that Jesus ushered in the age of Pisces. And Pisces, as the 12th sign of the Zodiac, is the sign of dissolution of self, uh, the sign of universal love, universal consciousness, kind of surrender. It's a sign of surrender and martyrdom. And so Jesus is tied into that and was often viewed as the avatar of the age of Pisces, uh, and he ushered it in because the, the age of Pisces was to purge uh, everybody, to purge civilization and to purge the earth to prepare it for the age of Aquarius. Uh, And so the the way that New Agers see or some New Agers see Jesus and some astrologers see Jesus is this they tie him into the sign of Pisces Hmm. and they say, well, look, you know, he talked about love and he died a martyr's death. And, you know, he and also the Pisces is a sign of a fish. So Jesus, you know, had some disciples who were fishermen and, you know, they he gave, you know, they went fishing a few times and all that, you know, all the fish stories that are in the New Testament. So they would tie in these things with Pisces and say, see, this shows that Jesus was this avatar, which means an avatar in the New Ages, uh, somebody who is at very advanced spiritual level who incarnates at will at a certain time in order to bring some kind of lesson to mankind. Right. That's the New Age view. It's actually a Hindu term for the incarnations of the god Vishnu.
2: Right. Mm. But
3: the New Agers take it and they kind of you know, put their own twist on it. So uh, I actually have an article on my website for those interested um, called the Piscean Jesus. And it's all about Jesus as the avatar of Pisces and responding to that biblically. You know, how do you respond to that biblically uh, to somebody who believes that it was actually a seminary paper? So um, that's on my website for people who really want to get into that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so this so this has been going on for two thousand years, right? And so here we are at the doorstep of the next stage of Aquarius, and Aquarius uh, stands for, on a larger scale in astrology, stands for invention, innovation, technology, um, androgyny, uh, group. Group efforts and benefits for the group. Okay. It's a very group corporate type identity rather than individual. And so all of these things are put into the age of Aquarius. I mean, there are other things too, like development of, sometimes people put in development of psychic powers, although personally, oh. I don't think it really fits with Aquarius. It fits more with Pisces, but, you know, people throw that in there. Um, so what happens is that, of course, if you look at the age, at where we are now, and most astrologers and new agers probably would say we are in the age of Aquarius and that we're, and we're in the process of entering it and we're definitely have at least one foot in it. And so look at all the, the ways we can prove this is the age of Aquarius. You know, a new ager would say, look at the gender issues you know, transgender people, gender fluidity, um, Hmm. androgyny, uh, you know, androgyny was even getting, was kind of a thing in the eighties, the 1980s. Um, and I remember that, and I remember correlating it with the age of Aquarius. I Mm. mean, that was, I was an astrologer at the time. So, um, you know, remember Annie, Annie Lennox of the, um, What's that group she's a singer for? I usually can't remember the name of the singer, and I remember the group. Now I can't remember. Oh, the Eurythmics. Mm The Eurythmics. Um, I don't know if you know who she is either. I'm really dating myself.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's good, though. I like it because even though while you're mentioning things from your time, in many ways, it's the Aquarian Age is something that's constantly sort of been revised and reinterpreted or it's gone through. As we call, we have iPhones now versus when you probably had record players or 8 tracks well, yeah, or whatever. Yeah,
3: yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, I remember cassette tape. Yeah, and,
1: me too. I'm I an 80s kid.
3: Cell phones and things like that. So, yeah, but, you know, there was this andro- um, uh, Annie Lennox was kind of famous for looking androgynous. If you go on, YouTube and find some videos with her. I actually think the music of the of the group yeah. is very good. I think she was an inspiration for mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson, if I could be oh, wrong, but wow. I think he was inspired by her. But anyway, so you've got um, this androgyny and these gender issues. You've got this very advanced technology that we have now, you know, with the, uh, I mean, we've gone way beyond the smartphone thing. You know, there's even, people are getting to more advanced things now and the technology, of course, is more advanced, so that would all be seen as part of the Age of Aquarius, and the uh, the idea that we have to be kind of universal in our outlook, we have to do things that are benefit a benefit yeah. for the group. Yeah. So these are Age of Aquarius was for, uh, for whatever reason, maybe because we were thinking we were going into this new new age. It made it exciting because it's like, oh, this Pisces thing has, you know, been around for two thousand years. We're all ready for something new. And look at the age of Aquarius, it all looks, you know, bright and shiny. And so people would always put these positive spins on it because of that. And I think it was it was actually maybe made too positive because I I actually, I remember as an astrologer that I saw the negative aspects of Aquarius. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Marsha. I
0: sometimes
3: sometimes pointed that out. Like, you know, age of Aquarius doesn't necessarily mean everything is going to be great. (laughs) guys. So, um, I, I was a, always kind of a party pooper, you know? <laughs> yeah. Marsha, I have a question
0: for you. Um, yeah. in, if you can put your astrology or new age hat on, we know we don't want to ever put it on spiritually, but just, just, yeah. just for thinking <laughs> this way. So when I think about pagan religions, when I think about Hinduism, I think about time as not being linear, right? right. I see, I right. see time as being cyclical. However, right. it seems like what's going on with the new age is they have to deal with Jesus somehow. Right. And what we have with Christianity is we have a linear-based concept of time. We have a beginning and we have a consummation of all things and a continuation from then. However, if correct me if I'm wrong, but with horoscopes, even with these new ages, it's irrelevant essentially because it's all cyclical. It's going to go to another one and another 2,000 years and another one and another 2,000 years and another one and another 2,000 years. There's no consummation of all things. Right. Right? There's, there's negative impact still. Uh, in quote-unquote to this age of Aquarius that they live in correct it's not right. always yeah, positive because
3: then of course after the 2000 years you know then you're going to go back to you know you're going to go to the age of Capricorn which is very different um, you know I mean going back to the time I was an astrologer if you had said to me well you know would you be excited if what was coming was the age of Capricorn instead of the age of Aquarius I'd be like "Ooh, no you know, Capricorn has to do with structure and limitations, and you know it can be very rigid. It has to do with career and goals and all this kind of stuff that I was like completely like not in tune with. Right. And <laughs> you know, I'm still not really in tune with. It,
0: so. <laughs> the cracking <laughs> don't know, care. It was
3: like it would be like the age of Capricorn. What would be exciting about that? But the right. age of Aquarius, you
0: know, no, no, it I, has
3: this kind of a uh, allure excitement to it that that people saw and yeah but you're right because it's cyclical you're only going you're going through the constellations backwards but you're still going through the same constellations right there's nothing really new you know it's just going to be the same the same ones over and over again over a long period of time and so there there is no real you know end point point. And since a lot of us New Agers believed in reincarnation, I mean, that's cyclical, too. Supposedly, you're going to advance and one day you won't reincarnate, you know, but then actually that could be kind of scary because then what does that mean? People had different ideas about what what that was.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And none of them actually were very appealing for a Western individualist. Mm. You know, it wasn't appealing to think you were going to merge with some kind of energy and just become a drop in the ocean, which is kind of usually was the usual idea. Right. So, yeah, you're right. There's, there's there's not this linear. There's not this consummation. And, and you're right that that they have to do something with Jesus. So they they here he is. He's happens to be born at the beginning of the age of Pisces. So he ushers in. He becomes the avatar for the age of Pisces. Mm And um, He's tied into that and that's you know, that's one of the views of Jesus in the new
0: age That's it's interesting to me because it sounds to me like Jesus the the incarnation of God himself taking on flesh and dying and resurrecting from the dead through a wrench into astrology and like it's like I see I see the thinkers of modern times having to make shift around to try to construct a cyclical worldview inside now a modern linear view of time but hiding the fact that it never offers salvation or anything of greater value than Jesus ever could. That's, that's, that's what it seems like to me.
3: Right. Right. Well, yeah. In the new age, it's always your own, you know, you're forging your own spiritual path. You know, it's always, it's always up to you. You're, you know, you're having to spiritually advance, you know, you're, you're um, responsible for your spiritual path. And so you have to learn your karmic lessons this lifetime um, so that your next life won't be horrible, you know, and so that maybe you'll be a little more advanced spiritually in your next life than you were in this life. And you'll learn some lessons, you know, and you hopefully you're going to keep advancing. So, yeah. mm. you know, that's that's the idea.
0: Yeah. What a burden. Um, that's a burden.
1: Yeah. And that's a huge yeah, thing. It
3: is. Yeah. it is actually a burden. Yeah, it is a burden. And it's not, you know, and you don't have all the answers. You don't really know what it's going to be like. You don't know who. believe in reincarnation you still don't know who you're going to be in the next life you know you have no idea and you you could you could end up being something or living somewhere you would hate i mean who knows (laughs) 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 you know it just you it's just this big unknown this Mm -hmm. big question mark and you try to because that's your worldview you try to see it in a positive way you know you try to to make peace with it so so to speak and you hear lectures or you talk to other people who have these views and, you know, they if they have like these good views or they seem to have answers, then you listen to them and think, yeah, maybe it's like that or maybe I can think that, you know, uh-huh. that will help me deal with that issue or whatever. So, yeah. So there's always this constant seeking, you know, constant seeking for answers and um, really never finding any final answers in the new age because there aren't any.
1: Yeah. And one of the things, too, you mentioned even earlier, you mentioned about things that are going on during your time and how they are interpreting the Aquarian age. And in many ways, there's nothing new under the sun. So in many ways, a lot of people in the New Age movement, at least the New Age branches, I've seen both of uh, QAnon where or other type of conspiracy theories are kind of in that realm where they're looking at what's going on with COVID and all the things that happened with the global shutdown and how there's all these different forces that work to kind of keep everyone from the truth. But in that they bring elements and and I'm not going to bring up any particular aspect of what they bring up, but what they always talk about with current events, there's always these, this cabal, these secret people, you know, shadowing the truth, but what their purpose in, in, revealing the truth isn't about trying, isn't from a biblical, ultimately from a biblical worldview, it's about creating awareness, this almost a, a spiritual awakening, and almost mm-hmm. awakening this universal consciousness. In fact, uh, Russell Brand, who, you know, made his big way, he made his way through just a bunch of different comedies, uh, raunchy comedies in the earlier, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about a decade ago. Yeah. And now he's sort of become his own little spiritual guru. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, I I was watching a YouTube video where he was just talking about some things going on in India with farmers not getting their farm that are having their farmland taken away by corporations who want to, you know, just cultivate on a large scale. A lot of them are losing work, but he's talking about it from a point of. His ultimate end goal is that this is wrong and this is just. I'm trying to bring awareness to this because he has a lot of, he's a new ager, that it's this is about having compassion and helping others and and, and helping increase this awareness. And while he didn't really say Aquarian age, that's still a part and parcel, just new age thinking as a whole Mm -hmm. is helping people awaken to their own universal consciousness or divine self and so in many ways you see that carried out Mm -hmm. even in current times and especially and people are doing that in light of current events um and that's just one thing i made emphasis on uh did you have any thoughts on that before you jump on to the next uh term we're going to jump into
3: yeah no i agree this it is always about awakening to some kind of truth some kind of spiritual truth that people are not aware of And so, you know, you're trying to awaken to these truths. You're trying to awaken others to these truths. And the people and people in the new age believe that they see these things. They believe that they see these truths and other people don't see them. You know, so so new agers go on and operate from that viewpoint that I see this truth. I see what's happening. I understand why all this is going on. And I'm sure that new agers and astrologers, have given, you know, interpretations to COVID and what it is. And I, I can even guess at what some of them might be. You know, it's like maybe a final purging from the age of Pisces, for example. Mm. Right. Or something like that. You know, you can, you can come up with... It's it's actually easy to come up with what all these different things can mean when you're in the new age. And so, um, it, it, you know, so you see all these things and it's like, okay, maybe, you know, if you have a platform like he does and you're a celebrity, you can get out there and say things and you're saying them like i'm going to say this because maybe some people will kind of wake up and understand yeah so yeah that's that's very much of a new age kind of approach to things Mm -hmm.
1: okay uh yes definitely i would agree so the next term i want to kind of jump into and this is just one of those things that come there's a lot of terms in astrology but this is just one that comes up a lot uh is is zodiac and so oh. and so that's like how do we unpack that? because that's just something that if you're if you've been exposed to astrology on any level, uh, you will hear that because from zodiac, there's things that splinter from that, but a lot of it has to do with the astrological charts. A lot of it has to do with what your identity is from the astrologers in relation to those charts. but, I, it's It's just defined in layman and basic layman's term zodiac. and what how does that explain that in the world of astrology?
3: Okay, yeah. the well, the zodiac would refer to the twelve zodiac signs. Um, I believe it comes from a, a Greek word for for animals, right? It isn't the same word that the word zoo comes from. And um, so the twelve zodiac signs, you know, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Uh, And so the zodiac is but, you know, actually, that's a popular commercial term. Astrologers actually don't use that word very much. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I never used that term. Like when I was doing a chart, I don't think I ever did. I don't think I I don't know. I I don't think I did. I probably would say something like um, you have, um, you know, you have Capricorn, on the cusp of your seventh house. So that means blah, blah, blah. I don't think I would say you have the zodiac sign of Capricorn, because it's really kind of a popular term. Um, and astrologers, they're they're really kind of elitist. They don't <laughs> they don't fall into the popular kind of talking about the zodiac signs. You know, I used to get really irritated with people who would say, oh, they'd find out I was an astrologer and they'd say, oh guess my guess my sun sign or guess my zodiac sign, you know and I would say, you know, you're much more than your sun sign. Uh, you actually may be behaving more like your your rising sign, you know. So I, if I guess you, I might be guessing your rising sign. But if you don't know your rising sign, then I'm not going to know if I'm right or not. Hmm. So, you know, because see the the chart is not just you, when you're born and you have the zodiac sign that's based on the position of your sun. And so everyone going around saying, well, I'm a Gemini, I'm a Capricorn, I'm a Leo. They're just talking about the position of their sun. You, you really have to look at, in astrology, the moon and all of the planets, and then where they are in the chart and what your rising, your rising sign is very important in astrology. So it's, the, it's whatever uh, sign is on the uh, eastern horizon at the time of your birth.
2: Uh-huh. And
3: it's considered to be a major influence on your personality and, and sometimes on your physical looks and your outward behavior um so that's you know so a lot of people would say well you know i like i used to think i acted more like my rising sign than my sun sign when i was an astrologer and so that the zodiac is those 12 signs and i want to say something though related to this it was one of the things i wanted i don't know uh-huh. if, if this is a good time to bring it up but <laughs> that i get asked a lot about or a lot of people challenge me there are christians Who really think astrology was given by God and they think that um, the pagans took it and they distorted it uh, into what we call astrology but actually it it really came from God it tells the gospel and they will use uh, different or actually misuse certain scriptures to support it but one of the things they say is Maseroth, which is in Job and it's in one other book, but in Job, uh, that word is used, and they and everybody says it refers to the Zodiac, but it doesn't. And I have done a Facebook post on it. I've posted it a few times um, because people try to use that to support the idea that the 12 Zodiac signs, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, all, God designed them that way, and we're supposed to look at them that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So this is one of the things I run into in my ministry. But Maseroth actually is a word that um, scholars believe just refers to a constellation. Hmm. It doesn't refer to the 12 zodiac signs. Now, in in older times, there were, like you could find some older Christian books maybe where they're going to say it does. But that's not the thinking of scholars today. Um, And more research has been done on that word. And it's only used... um, once in the Bible, there's another place in 1 Kings or something, I think, where there's a word like it, um, but it, I think it means something else. I can't remember now, but the main the main word is used in Job, and that's where a lot of people will point mm-hmm. to that. And so I want to just say very emphatically that the Zodiac is not in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be real clear on that. It's not in there. Uh, and there are, yes, there are some references to some constellations that um, when you read your Bible, it will say or Orion,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, or the bear, yeah. And there again, there's you're going back to um, to Hebrew terms, and then how it was translated later. It doesn't mean that that God is saying, "Look to these things because they mean something." Right. You know, he's just, God's talking about his creation, and he's referring to his creation. Because he created it. And so he knows all of it. That, another verse that's misused is um, it, where it says God calls the star. He knows the name of every star. Yeah. I think it's maybe in Psalms. Uh, and so I've, I've, a lot of people have told me that. They say, see, the, that, see, they're right there. So that means that, you know, there's we can use astrology or we can use these terms like Aries and Taurus or whatever. No, what that means is that God knows the name of every star. That's a way of saying God knows every single star that exists because he created it. Right. So that's, that's, what, that's the whole point, because we don't even know how many stars there are. Right. right? There's So we don't even know how many galaxies there are. Right. The universe is so vast, we can't see the end of it. We don't know how many stars there are. It's, it's kind of mind boggling when you think about it. God knows not only how many stars are, he knows every single star, personally. So that's what that is saying. It's showing the majesty of God as creator. And that's the whole purpose of that passage. And people completely miss it. And they go to this little petty thing. Mm-hmm. To me, it's very pet. I'm sorry, I don't want to sound condescending, but... I get a little upset because I have to deal with this
1: all the time. So no, I think it's good. I, hey, I remember a you're the cr- we've released sometimes. the Kraken, so yeah. And I want to support. I
0: want to support the Kraken real quick. So you're you're referring to you're referring to Job 38, and it's Job 38 verses 31 through 33. And I'll read it. Can okay. you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Mazaroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinance of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? So. When we're we're reading this at first, we got to go, what in the world is going on? If we just go to these verses, willy nilly. Well, first we got to look at it in context. This is after Job has cried out to the Lord to answer him. So the Lord responds to Job and humbles him saying, do you know who you are speaking to? At first, (laughs) he's saying, these are the things that I do. I am God. I hold the knowledge of the secret things. He's saying pretty much, you are man. You are a creature created by God. There are things you will not know and things that you cannot do, right? This is what I have done as God. So essentially I would say Job 38 and the Lord responding in this nature is actually telling him, you don't know. It's actually almost stating the opposite. It's saying you will never know these specific things because I am God. I am the one who made them. You won't know why I made Jerry the way I made Jerry. I did it for my goodwill and my good pleasure. Were you there? Right? That's what he's saying. Were you there when I saw the great when I looked at the deep chasm chasms of the earth when the water lifted up? That's what God's saying. He's saying you're but a man. Why are you trying to know the things of God and then you're taking the verse way out of context saying, "No, I can know the things of God. I can know the secret things." By actually responding in a way that God says to Job, "You can't do these things," which I find very uh very disheartening that people would go to a proof text without context. When it's almost a condemnation of it, so.
3: Yes, exactly, and it's and it's it's, and it's not even really about you know, and it's not like well, God knows these secret things of astrology, and you don't know them. It's that that He's not even talking about. Exactly. Yes. You know, and it's it's this it's to me it's sad. That Christians will miss the power and majesty of that passage you just read. It's a passage that glorifies God and and reveals his majesty. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely, you know, it's the kind of passage that when you really think about what God is saying, it takes your breath away. Mm -hmm. It takes my breath away to read something like that. I love that passage in Job where God says those things and it shows his majesty and his power. It's not about God telling us that we can look at the stars of the constellations and get some kind of message out of them. Mm -mm. You know, if, you know, that's not what it's about. And it's like, you're taking this powerful, mad, majestic passage of God's word, and you're trying to make it into this little petty penny Annie idea, you know, that, oh, I can get a meaning out of this. And it's like, no, that is just so it's so it's just cheapens, you know, the whole passage. And so I think maybe because, you know, I am a former astrologer, I'm especially sensitive to this because now I can read passages like that and I can read passages where God refers to the stars and I can appreciate them for what God is really saying, because I no longer look at it the way I used to. You know, I can appreciate I can appreciate his creation reflecting the power and majesty of God. And that's what's going on in those passages. Amen. And so for somebody to miss that because they're trying to get some kind of little mm-hmm. cheap meaning out of it on on some kind of message, just really, it just irks me. Yeah. <laughs> it irks me is a good way to put it. But anyway, so I, I do I have done a post on that. In fact, I've done a post on that passage where he refers to the Pleiades and and Orion and the bear and everything. And I've done a, po- a, a post on Mazaroth because I think, you know, we we're going to miss the real meaning of things when we're trying to see it for something it's not.
2: Mm.
3: And um, that's what astrology does. See, that's right away. You can see a result of it. It's distorting the word of God. And it mm. takes away from the majesty of God, and it takes away from the meaning of God's word.
1: Amen. Well, wow. and so speaking of astrology in the Bible, we talked about what isn't in the Bible and what's mis- misinterpreted as far as um, as far as what's said about astrology and, and different verses of the Bible. I want to just get your thoughts on something in the lecture of Walt, the audio lecture of Walter Martin, that where he is talking about astrology he did mention something that was interesting. He brought up the tower of Babel and I was, I found this really interesting, his perspective on it. I want to get your, just because I remember as a kid, I remember hearing of the story of the Tower of Babel, and I was just thinking, well, well, how high did they have it? Like, and I would go, and I lived in Oakland in the Bay Area. Whenever I'd see a high building, I would think, well, that's, <laughs> was that is that high enough? <laughs> like, know, yeah, and that, that was my only point of reference, hearing that story as a kid. I like, apparently there's there, there's a place, you're only allowed to build buildings so high. <laughs> right. right? <laughs>
0: but I did the same thing when I was a kid, bro. That's fun. Yeah.
1: So I pulled this up while Andrew is talking as a point of reference, and this is, in, uh, this is just a kind of cross reference what walter uh, martin said but he was walter was saying that it was uh he believed it might have been an in, in a, a tower or even like a large temple that sort of ascended uh High into the heavens, but it, the whole purpose was for planetary study, not on a very scientific scale, but on a, for, for astrology. And I believe, and when I cross-reference blueletterbible.org, Blue Letter it says that it might have been something called a, a a ziggurat, I think is how you ziggurat, pronounce it. Yeah. And it says a popular view is that the people at Babel were building a ziggurat, a tower built for the purpose of worship of the heavens. This meant that people that the people were practicing the art of astrology rather than worshiping God. And so anyways, that's, that well, it was Walter's perspective. And this is just a note from blueletterbible.org of what it might be. What are your thoughts on that? It's going back to Nimrod.
0: Yes, I, yeah,
3: I've heard of, I've read that. And initially those are the, things I read about the Tower of Babel, that it might be a ziggurat, that it might have been used for um, some kind of, well, i read, you know, worship of the heavens, astrology. I've also read, um, I've also read some opinions of people who disagree with that. that They don't think that the ziggurats were existed yet, or they don't think that's what it was for. They think that, um, you know, it was maybe, you know, the idea was that the gods were up in the heavens and so, you know, to be close to them, you would have to get up higher and higher and higher. So I can see that, that maybe it was built for that because they were trying to get up as high as they could, as close to the gods, or they could have been elevating themselves, you know, because they're, you know, by getting up higher and higher, they're becoming like the gods maybe. And so that's another view. So I think what we have to do, and this is really the, what I learned in my seminary that I so appreciate so much, mm-hmm. is to not go beyond the text yeah. and to you know look at what it says. And you can maybe, if you have other passages that correlate, you can maybe look at those. But in this case, it's really, there's not that much else. We've just got the Tower of Babel, and I guess there's some references elsewhere. But it doesn't really tell us anything except that God was angry because they were doing this out of pride and so it had to do that was the main thing they were being prideful and maybe they were trying to be close to god to the gods or maybe they were trying to look at the stars i don't know that astrology existed then see and i Mm -hmm. think i said that earlier that the earliest we know of it is the um in babylon Right. Um, So I don't know that maybe it did exist, but I don't know that they would need to build something up near the sky because if it already existed, they were already viewing the movement of the planets and measuring them. They would have to already know how to do that to do astrology. Okay. So I, I don't know that that's what they were doing. I tend to think more they were just trying to either be close to the god what they thought were the gods or maybe they were trying to be like the gods uh Uh you know because i don't the bible's not very explicit about
1: what they were doing yeah and in shorter term i mean in summary without i mean like you made a good point too in summary it was idolatry yeah it's at the end of the day that's what that's what it was yeah um so on that note, speaking of idolatry, I want to go back into <laughs> defining terms of astrology. So um, so you're talking, you explain the aspects of the Zodiac. And this is interesting because, <laughs> Andrew, do you remember the show Captain Planet? I do. So this is crazy because I was thinking about how inundated <laughs> we are with like, with all the different uh, terms of astrology okay. and how it's been inundated. So in hot, the sh- in the cartoon Captain Planet... And some of you who are a little are not as old as I am, you'd have to look this up, right? So in the story Captain Planet, there's these kids known as the Planeteers, and they get these special rings, and these rings have the different elements. So some hot. of the hot, yeah, water,
0: yeah, <laughs> I heard you fire. Talk. We're the Planeteers. Yeah. You can be one too. Saving yeah. the planet is the thing to oh my do. God. Captain Planet. Dude, well, no. I watched Captain Planet a bunch, bro.
1: Yeah, but the funny thing is, and it's all, it was all <laughs> this message for kids about environmentalism. Yeah. But within it, you'd add a lot of kind of these, especially looking at it now, it's got, it had this woo-woo stuff in it, but in it, they have the aspects of the different elements. So yeah. wow. according to a, uh, well, this uh, one website we pulled up, the 12 zodiac signs is apparently they're grouped into four elements. Air, earth, fire, and water. Like I said, as soon as I saw that, I thought of Captain
0: Planet. <laughs> I of Captain Planet that's well.
1: just how I am. I'm always, uh, I've always got this like Google search uh, bar in the back of my brain that's always thinking about movies and TV shows.
0: It's just a great sign off. Yeah,
1: it's how it is. <laughs> yes. Um, but what, what they mention here, I want to get your thoughts on this, Marcia. It says um, if your natal chart, uh, check yours below, includes many planets in a certain element you'll see the qualities of that element show up a lot in your life. Alternatively, uh, if your chart is lacking in an element, you'll have to work hard to cultivate its presence. That's what got me curious. So one, I wonder if you could do two things for us. Could you explain the aspect of the elements and how an astrologer or someone viewing this, uh, how they view that? And also when it talks about working to cultivate its presence, that sounds that's where it gets kind of cultish in the sense, at least my Spidey sense goes off where I'm hearing, this is something that you have to do. This isn't about Mm. uh, getting a better scientific understanding of the universe. This is something that you're having to do to cross over to a, get the presence of something to be more fulfilled in yourself. Right, but it's talking about it. it's like there's something there's some sort of entity mm. you're trying to get a hold of it, to attain the secret knowledge either or something else yourself. Mm. So, I don't know, can you elaborate on that, Marsha?
3: Yeah, well the four elements are definitely part of astrology, air, earth, water, fire. And so um all of the 12 signs are divided up into those, you know, elements. So you have Um, You know, like the fire signs are like Aries and Sagittarius and Leo. Okay, so there's the fire signs and cancer, Scorpio and Pisces are water. And then you've got the earth and the air signs and they all have certain qualities about them. So when an astrologer is looking at the chart, they they have that in mind. So, there's um, this idea that, okay, if this person has their sun and moon, uh, let's say, in both in the earth element, then that's going to give them more of an earthy quality to their character and to the way they approach things. So, they, they tend to apply it that way um, and and in other aspects, how they may see it in the chart. Um, now, I net, that last part you read about Uh, you know, if you don't have a lot of that element, you have to make I I never heard that before. Mm. I think that's just somebody's opinion. Where did you see that?
1: Oh, I just pulled up of a a website called wellandgood.com. It's it's a self, it's a self-care website, which is,
3: that's just that that person's opinion. Right. So you can, you can be, if that's what, you know, if, if you're like that, if you're in the new age and, you know, maybe he knows or she knows astrology, maybe not, but maybe he or she knows enough about it to know about the elements, then you can say something like that. Well, I think if you don't have any fire elements in your chart, then you probably need to develop the fire qualities, you know? And that's just somebody's opinion. I mm. never thought that way. I never thought somebody, you know, if they didn't have any earth element in their chart, you know, that unless their chart showed they were very unstable, uh, you know, then I might think, oh yeah, they don't have any earth element, and they have this very unstable chart, so they're probably not very. They have to work harder to be practical. But I wouldn't think of it in terms that you have this element missing and you need to make up for it. Um, but I wanted to say something else too, and that is, you don't just have the four elements; you have the um, you have something else uh, that has to do with the beginning and the middle and the end of the seasons. Right. So each each planet. Is the beginning or the middle or the end of a season? Cardinal, a cardinal is the beginning, and um, mutable is the end, and fixed is the middle. So um, you know, each Aries is a is a beginning sign, and Taurus is a fixed sign, and Gemini is a mutable sign. So it's a dissolving sign, and so that aspect of all of the signs and planets are taken in in the chart too. So the astrologers looking at it, not just with the position of the sun and the moon, the signs they're in, the houses they're in, and the signs that are on the cusp of the houses, and how, how, how much distance is between each planet, but you're looking at the elements and the cardinal fixed immutable aspects as well, and so you have all of these factors that are going into the interpretation that makes it incredibly complicated, and basically it gives you all these options Because there's so many different things you can look at, you know, you can you can look at, oh, this planet is in the, you know, the ninth house. So it means this and it's in the sign of Aries. But look at this. This person has uh, Neptune over here and they have uh, four planets that are cardinal signs, et cetera, et cetera. So you're just you know, you just keep going on and on and on. You never I used to say when I was an astrologer, you can never get to the end of the chart. And that's very true. You can never get to the end of it. You could go on forever because there's just all these possibilities. And that is that is a hallmark of the occult. The mm. occult is always complicated. It starts off looking like it's something you can master or like it's something that's real meaningful that you can figure out. But it draws you in. If you're getting involved in it like you're becoming an astrologer like I did, it pulls you in. And there's more and more things to look at, more and more things to consider, um, you know, more and more aspects of it. And it just goes on and on and on forever. And it's like falling down into a bottomless pit. Right. And that's really what the occult is. And the occult is incredibly complicated. And I don't think people realize that. I think that they think it's some kind of kind of just kind of, you know, mumbo jumbo or something that's kind of superficial and silly um, but actually, the real occult is not that way, and that's why it's such a snare, because it can really captivate you. It really captivates you once you get into it, <clears throat> and it's it's just very dangerous because of that factor. So yeah, so I know I went off the topic a little bit there with the, with the
1: no, I, no, I think I think it is very yeah. relevant. And again, you meant, and again, you're you're talking about. People looking at significances not only in the constellations and the stars, but also the different seasons, and in many ways too, plan- the planetary alignment, uh, planetary alignments. In fact, I was thinking this was back uh, in December, and again, this is on a total side note. There's always these different planetary alignments, and they always talk about this is the only time it's going to happen in the next 100 years. Yeah, but it's like every single year we get something that's never going to happen the next hundred years. So in many ways, like, okay, I'll check it out. But <laughs> this was a big thing that was going on back in December. And this is about yeah. uh, Jupiter and Saturn. They're going to appear closest for earth-based, earth-based stargazers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just so happens to be the winter solstice. So there's this huge emphasis. Like there's this very, sp- anybody who had any sort of new age uh, ideology in any way, were interpreting this as something incredibly spiritually significant. But, mm-hmm. It just goes to show that that's – yeah, if you have – if you have, like you're saying, if you have a view in which you have a New Age view, you're going to embrace a worldview where there's really no end in sight because, again, you, we're, we're made in the image of God. We have a God-shaped whole, mm-hmm. and it's going to be the next thing, the next star alignment, the next star alignment, which is – also i'm just curious about too because in many ways you're talking about your area of expertise and understanding these different astrological charts and and how you would do different people's personalities and things like that but on a personal level you're doing this for other people but you're also searching yourself what what was it like for you at that time Hmm. versus where you are now like uh, explain that as a personal level for anyone listening in
3: well, I certainly um, looked at my life. A big part of looking at my life was through my chart. You know, I knew my chart very well, naturally. And being an astrologer, I could interpret it. And I would interpret the position of the planets where they are now. That's what you do to see how they're affecting your life now and in the coming year. You know, you so you look at certain planets, how they're moving around the chart. So I, I you know, I had this worldview that saw myself through the chart and through my belief system uh, at the time of, of reincarnation and being on this spiritual path and learning spiritual lessons. Um, and, you know, that was very much my worldview. It was, and it was the searching, kind of the searching, constantly searching for answers and feeling there are always more answers to find. So, you know, I was reading a lot and, and um, interested in all these different things in the New Age and different, te- not all teachings appealed to me in the New Age. There are definitely some things that did not appeal to me. I was not interested in aliens and things like that at all. But, you know, I had I had other interests. And um, I think that, um, I mean, now, I mean, the way I see myself, I mean, it's so completely different. It's even hard to say how different it is. It's, you know, I, I see myself as, you know, created, a, a creature, you know, of God, created by God. Uh, made in his image, um, somebody who um, want naturally in the natural state wants to do, you know, want to do my own will. But, um, you know, when I encountered Jesus Christ, I realized that I needed, I needed a, a savior, I needed to, to be forgiven. Um, and so, you know, it's, I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer your question. It's just so different. It's like, I don't, you know, now I see the stars and and the planets and I see them as beautiful creations that reflect the creator. You know, I don't have the, I mean, my worldview is just so different. I don't know how, I don't really know how to describe the difference.
1: No, that's, no, that's really good. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm
3: not on this (laughs) constant search for the answers. You know, I am, I am on constant learning ain't a curve, you know, learning. I'm learning. I read the Bible, I study study it and you know the more you read it and the more you study the more you see in it that maybe you didn't see before it's very exciting um you know you read these passages mm-hmm. that you understand better than you did you know when you read them a few years ago or whatever and and that's you know so you're on this learning curve where i, I feel i'm learning more um and hopefully you know growing as a christian uh so i'm not static but i'm not like on this i'm not like on this journey where I have to, maybe not have to, but where I wanted to seek out all these answers to things, yeah. you know, because I feel like I have, I, I don't have the answers to everything for sure, but I have the most important answers, you know, spiritually speaking, I have the most important answer, you know, so that's very different from before.
1: No, that's, that's good. And one last thing I want to bring up, because you're talking about how, you know, you you haven't learned everything, but you're on a journey, and I think what would be different between your journey now as a Christian versus when you're an occultist is that that journey is now linear versus right. fragmented and all over the place. Which in many ways occultism was a fragmenting. Andrew, you we Preach. were sending voice messages back and forth. Yeah, I, I and so maybe this is sort of like the last points we wrap up here. Okay. That you gave. Sometimes you drop gospel bombs. Other times you you sort of drop these philosophical bombs. That's like, whoa! I never even thought of that. Yeah. But you were talking in relation to the worldview of a new age, or even someone who's into astrology and how Mm -hmm. they they're looking for an acute like a biblical worldview. Like the history is headed somewhere. Yeah. You remember us talking about that. Mm -hmm. But you explained how someone who's in astrology is uh, views it differently, and it was. I just remember my mind being blown. <laughs> so uh, while I'm still picking up the pieces still from that uh, those voice messages, explain your thoughts and how you're explaining those voice messages. Because I thought it was very, it was very very intriguing. I think it's a really good emphasis too, especially knowing that this is the aspect of astrology is really a gospel lists. issue.
0: Yeah. It's it a it gospel, gospel issue, but also
1: <laughs> it's important, but it's also the byproduct of it is gospel less. Amen. But okay. go into that.
0: All right. So, yeah, I mean, to piggyback off what you're what you're saying, Jerry, and what you're saying, Marsha, is I, I believe that, you know, they they view time as cyclical, number one. And you are lost in this never-ending rabbit hole of just a circle going downwards, right? There's no consummation of all things. There's no salvation to look forward to. And as as a Christian, I like to think in terms of universals. When there is truth and the meaning of life, right, and what it means to be human. And who is God? How do you know him? These are universal truths. They are the same here on the planet Earth as they would be in the Andromeda galaxy. All right. So for the person who follows astrology, their meaning is defined by the literal alignments of the stars, the moon, the planets to where they're born in their position, looking up at the sky. Okay. That's relative. Why is that relative? Because you can go somewhere else in the universe at the same time when that person was born and their constellations are totally different. Mm -hmm. Your constellations don't define you. Guess what is a Christian I get to say? I get to say that Jesus Christ is who, who was, and is to, and is to come. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter where I'm at in the universe, I'm justified by grace through faith that God himself took on flesh and died on the cross for my sins. No matter where I go, and no matter where I go, I can have the universal consistency of saying that my God created the heavens and he sits and he laughs and does what he pleases, right? The astrologer doesn't have that consistency. It's a total relative view of not only time, but of God. And it's not unchanging, but the God of the Bible offers something totally different. He offers a solid foundation. He says, I am the Lord God. I do not change. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. And guess what? The, the, the hope that we offer through the Christian worldview that God offers us is that no matter where you go in the universe, he is the same and that he died for you and his blood covers you of your sins. And that you don't have to be lost in a never ending cycle in circle of samsara in reincarnation and rebirth. I mean, that's not true. It's relative to the guru, but Christianity is a universal truth, no matter where you are in the universe. So we need to repent and put our faith in Christ and move forward and put those sins to death. We need to put to death that idolatry and set our mind on the heavenly things, the heavenly promises of God.
1: Mm. There you go. That's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, like I said, it is a linear, it is a linear aspect because in many ways, I think Walter, martin when he would describe new age and the occultism as a whole he would just describe it as really a spiritual narcotic mm-hmm. where there's just there's no end in sight never and there's always you know it's always the next yoga pose the next meditation the next the next chakra alignment the next planetary alignment the next yeah. thing the next thing the next thing
0: you're getting off on what you can think of next yes you're amused with your own thoughts and brain Right. Yeah. and they, it's philosophy and empty deceit
1: yes yeah exactly Is one way to do it okay well this is um I think this is a really good overview. Uh, I mean, this is really, yeah, this is really good. I mean, and again, we I think we've covered a lot of ground here and I'm sure you might want to, some of you may need to go back and listen to this again. Um, Marcia, we covered a lot here. Is there any other aspects of any of the material that we discussed, anything you think it's important to bring up or any, anything to end on uh, as we wrap up here?
3: Uh, yes, I would say that Um, One of the things that astrology is very damaging or destructive of is, is really as to who you are because not only are you looking at yourself artificially, you are categorizing yourself. And I think that is one of the most damaging things because you see yourself a certain way on this zodiac sign or my chart says, you know, this is my sun and moon are here and my rising sign is here. And you're then you're in this category and you filter everything through that category. And it's very, very limiting. It's not really who you are. And you you have limited yourself incredibly and, and you're just missing out. <laughs> you're missing out on who, who you really are. Amen. So I think you know that versus the fact that God created man in his own image. Um, and made man so that we can know there's a God, and we can um, get communication from God through His Word. We we have revelation of who God is through His Word, and that it, there's no limitation. We're not in a certain category. You know, we're just the only category we're in is we're human. That's the category. <laughs> and so I think that that it's so different. You know, you can see how the New Age seems to act like it's all free and open. And and I used to think there was so much freedom in the New Age, you know, and astrology was this wonderful, you know, knowledge that I had. But, you know, when I look at it now versus who you are as a human and who you are in Christ when you trust in Christ, it's just so different that all of that from that other world is so limiting and it's also destructive. Uh, because it's not who you are So I just I'll, I'll I'll, end on that You know Just as a final kind of Conclusion Comparing Being a Christian Versus being A new age astrologer
1: <laughs> Good Good Well I, In summary I think this is I appreciate you having You coming on And again We definitely I feel like we definitely uh, The Kraken was released
0: We're sitting back And we're looking at the The yeah. aftermath Of the destruction From the Kraken <laughs> And we are glorying In the battle It was great yeah.
1: Uh, I think you're digging that. It sounds like you're digging that nickname, so.
3: (laughs) I am, I am. I like the
1: way you say it. Well, yeah, we'll have to, um, if we, we'd love to have you on again sometime, you know, depending on what subject does come up. And that nickname will be there and at the ready for okay. you. So we'll probably have to play that clip of uh, Mr. Liam Neeson yeah. playing whoever that was. I think was it Clash of the Titans or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was? that was Liam Neeson. From yeah, Clash of I the remember before it was like this is when memes. I told sign, this is when memes were in its infancy. That's right. And that's when like the release of the Kraken. Like before the movie even came out, mm. it was just that that scene of like release the Kraken, and there was all these different versions of it. So, <laughs> Classic.
0: We have the best version. That's Martian
1: Montenegro. Yes. Yes. Oh,
3: thank you. I love being on with you guys. Thank you so much. And yeah, if you ever see something I can come and talk about again, I'd be more than happy to come back.
1: Okay. And also, if anyone wants to find out uh, get any more of uh, Marsha Montenegro's content, you can go to Christian Answers for the New Age on Facebook or Christian Answers for the New Age dot org. And there's lots of content, uh, all different sorts of articles, and just definitely good ways to kind of educate yourself about just All the different aspects of New Age and New Ageism going on in the world. So if you all enjoyed this episode, please uh, let us know. Please comment on our social media and let us know what you thought. And as always, leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, programs like this cannot continue without your support. So please go to thecultishshow.com. Go to the Donate tab. You can donate one time or monthly. And we'll talk to you guys next time on Cultish, where we enter into the kingdom of the cults. Talk to you all soon.